Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Choir Fam Podcast. I'm Dean Leafy, the Director of Choral Activities at Washington State University. And I'm Matthew Myers, the Coordinator of Choral Music Education at Washington State University. In our discussions about the current state of choral music and what it will look like in the future, we agreed that more conversations need to happen to bring the choral community together. And that's why we're here. We bring guests from the Worldwide Choir Fam onto the show to share their wisdom and help make our choral world a little bit closer. By speaking with our guests, we hope to provide interesting tidbits of knowledge you could use in your day-to-day rehearsals and give you a sense for how issues that matter to all of us are being observed and addressed. We hope you'll enjoy these conversations as we work to strengthen our choral community. Welcome to the Choir Fan. Hey, Matt, how are you doing this week? I am doing well. So we're on our third day of classes. Um, Yeah. And stepping into the second semester is just always so much better than the first. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just not filled with a million meetings. I feel like I can really be there for the students more as we get things going. So, but it might feel different for you because this is your first semester of the year. How is it being back? Oh, it's great. Uh, For those of you uh, that don't know, I was on sabbatical the first semester. And so this is uh, first semester back and it just feels like sort of coming home. It just feels really good. I miss working with students. I'm working with students now. It just feels really, really good. And so, um, you know, one of those things you're just thinking, you know, that am I going to come back? Am I going to feel nervous? Because, you know, hey, I haven't done this in a little while. Um, and it's just, no, it's, this is, this feels organic. It feels great. So I am so happy to be back and, uh, my students are great. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's lovely. You've got, you've got concert choir on your plate, choral conducting, and you're doing rock history. Um, do you have ear training as well or no, I, yeah, I'm no rock history. I'm teaching, uh, applied theory, ear training. And then I'm also, uh, I have, a uh, online conducting student, which is great oh. for our online degree. So, oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. So. so Matt, you were kind enough to invite our guest today. Would you tell our audience a little how you know them and why you've brought them here? Yeah. So Alana Scott was a sophomore at LSU when I started as a first year doctoral student. Um, So I got to be around Alana quite a lot, um, singing together in the acapella choir. And also she was on a number of projects for the chamber choir for our graduate recitals. And um, Alana was definitely a person to know at, at LSU. She was very active music ed student, but also super active in musical theater and vocal performance things. And then um, she and two other students uh, wrote a piece together. So like a three movement work that was um, set to texts by elementary students in the region um, who were writing about what they imagined the world might be. So they they wrote a letter to the world. So this beautiful piece that we did um, by Alana, as well as Michaela McQuestin and Hannah Rice, um, was my chance to delve into Alana's work as a composer. So now she teaches junior high, but also is composing. And uh, the Trouble Choir premiered one of her pieces last spring. So um, it's pretty cool to get to work with her um, on this professional level, uh, since I knew her first as a student. For those of you that don't know Alana Scott, here's a little bit more about her. Alana Scott is a fervent curator of sounds committed to sharing rich stories through the crafts of education, composition, and songwriting. The Louisiana native educator musician treats personal experience as an opportunity to explore honor, and challenge personally formative traditions through her crafts. She currently holds the position of head choir director at a junior high in the greater Houston area and cherishes sharing her love of her crafts with her students. Her compositions serve as vibrant melodies flecked with material retrieved through life's lessons as a Black Southern woman of intersectionality described as boldly voiced, and well-crafted. Her most recently premiered work, Joy, for String Quartet, was premiered in July of 2022 at the Tampa Museum of Modern Art. 
So, Alana, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Choir Fam. Awesome. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, Alana, how are things going? Are, are you back to school for the spring semester? I am back to school for the spring semester. We got back um, Tuesday of last week. Well, Monday. Monday was our professional development day. And Tuesday, the kids came in. Are they they excited to be back or are they squirrely and ready for more break? Um, (laughs) so, um, the first week it was interesting. The first week it took kind of a, you know, the first day back was really slumpy and grumpy and, uh, you know, they were kind of getting adjusted to be back on, to being back on, you know, the schedule of waking up early. Um, so we had a couple of days where there was very little energy in the room. Um, but now we're, we're, we're completely the opposite. And today was probably the squirreliest day I think I've experienced so far. So I'm hoping that we can hone that energy towards something productive moving forward because we are in, you know, competition season, festival season right now. Oh, yes. Texas in January. It, that's a time, is it not? It oh. is something else. <laughs> yeah. So, Alana, for every guest that we have here, we ask the same question. It's open-ended. You can say what you like, and we really love the answers that we that we hear from this question. So, here we are. How did you fall in love with choral music? So, I love, um, I love this question um, because for me... I, you know, come at my answer to this question from a couple of different levels and a couple of different angles. Um, I grew up in non-denominational, you know, um, predominantly black church. Um, And pretty much as soon as I could, I was up, you know, in the pulpit um, singing with other people. I started in the children's choir and just kind of, you know, as I grew up, I was on the praise team and then I sung in the adult choir and the youth choir and all that stuff. You know, that was all throughout my my childhood. Um, So I grew up with choral music, um, you know, in the gospel since I grew up with with gospel choral music. So I already had um, inherited this really rich this rich tradition of sharing music with people, um, especially, you know, music that, that has roots in so much feeling and so much, um, I don't know, so much color, I guess would be a good word for it. Um, so later down the line, I actually ended up in school choir, you know, like a formal sight reading, reading notes and, and rhythms on a page. Um, I ended up in choir on accident in high school. Um, in middle school, I was a theater kid through and through. I was like, I want to be an actress. You know, I was really into it. Um, I thought that I would make it a career. However, um, after auditioning for the advanced theater class in high school and making it in, um, I expected my freshman year to go into the advanced theater class, but I actually had a scheduling conflict because of some like AP class I was taking. And I ended up taking choir, uh, like as an alternative, as a backup plan. (laughs) So I got in my, my freshman year, you know, we started doing, you know, our sight reading exercises and stuff. And I was like, Oh my gosh, soulfish. I don't know. I was terrible at it, you know, to start, but I just love to sing. Um, And I think that the moment that cemented that this was like something that I wanted to do and something that I wanted to delve deeper into was the first time we sang in three-part harmony. I was like, what? And a treble choir, you know, that it's a, it's a really, it's, it's a really unique and uh, it's just a wonderful experience, you know, experiencing the, um, the like victory of singing a well-tuned, which I don't know if it was well-tuned, but it sounded that way back then. (laughs) A well-tuned, you know, three-part treble choir piece for the first time. It was amazing. It was in Latin, like it was modal. I was like, oh, oh, we sound like angels, you know? 
it was a really big moment for me. And um, I'd always been a really big music lover. Uh, from when I was a kid, you know, my parents exposed us to a lot of jazz and, you know, a little classical music too. So I was really, I was just really open to it. And once I had that moment where I was like, oh my God, making music with people is, a, there's no feeling like it. I was, you know, pretty much stuck on, I had the choir bug from, from then on, definitely. So what was the point where you decided to study music uh, for a career? And did you know, like, I'm going to go to school and study music ed, or was it just some kind of music? Uh, in high school, I had a really awesome choir director for my first uh, two years who was super impactful. He made a really big impression on me. Um, his name is Dr. Jason Bowers. Um, he's currently an instructor in music ed at, at um, or professor of music ed at, uh, at LSU and um where i graduated from <laughs> and i just remember there was so like the way that the year everything about the culture of our our choir at the time that i was there was just there were just so many big and memorable moments you know i i still i have friends that i've i made while in choir that is i'm still friends with 10 years later you know from when we met in that in that class like it was, and I haven't even mentioned the music making yet. The culture was the biggest thing. It was the way that I felt when I walked into that room. And, you know, I recognized that it felt that way because, you know, my director had put a lot of thought into how he wanted us to feel when we walked into the room. You know, um, the fact that he wanted us to make memories and um, he wanted us to know that he, cared about each and every one of our, you know, our growth in that class. It was, it was really the feeling that I, that I got from being part of a good, like a, a good and solid and warm choir culture was a big, a big one for me, you know, being a person who I consider myself, you know, kind of a, a bleeding heart type. <laughs> um, I, that, the feeling of, being the person that has a hand in creating that space for somebody else and also sharing my love for music in the same, you know, in the same breath, um, that just really appeared, appealed to me. And so uh, it was kind of a, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do from pretty early on um, in that, you know, the new ed degree, I never saw myself going for anything else really. Um, except for music ed. Then you, you got to LSU. Was it a surprise when Dr. Bowers ended up being one of the instructors there? Uh, is that something you were expecting at all? <laughs> all right. So, you know, not to sound like a stan, as they say, but it's it, it runs deep, y'all. You know, I mean, um, to answer your question, was it, what is was it a surprise? Um, uh, I mean, it wasn't really because he had prepared us for him leaving when he did. You know, I was in the tenth grade. I was at the end of my. I was at the end of my sophomore year in high school, which I mean, I feel like that says a lot that he made such an impression on me in two years that I was like, I want to be like you. <laughs> you know, um, I was at the end of my my tenth grade year. And he, you know, he prepared us um, for the fact that he was leaving. And he told us that he was going to LSU to complete, you know, some studies. Um, I didn't know that he would be an actual instructor there. But, you know, I mean, I knew that he was still at LSU. So it didn't really surprise me that much that he was my professor. But it, it was shocking kind of going into the room and seeing him, but not seeing him in the same capacity that I used to see him as it was it, it was kind of a difference because you know um there's a certain kind of relationship that you have with your teachers as a high schooler especially you know <laughs> Louisiana kids you know I feel like Louisiana kids we got a lot of personality so uh it was just it was funny like remembering the you know kind of goofy times that we'd had in high school and then you know seeing him as a professor and being like okay I gotta I gotta keep it together now he's like 
he's like on a different level now. You know, he's not he's not DJ Bow Bow anymore. He's not Bow Tastic anymore. You know, he's Doctor Bowers. So I got to chill out. So <laughs> um, it was kind of weird seeing him in that. Um, just the space change, but it was a full circle moment because. He was my, uh, you know, he's my high school director. And then he was my professor for a couple of classes. And then I lucked up and had him as my supervising professor when I was student teaching. And I got to student teach during festival season. So he, and he was an adjudicator at festival. So he got to see me conduct at the very same festival in the very same location that I sang at with him, you know, three years in a row. That was insane. You know, and hearing him on the recordings being like, hmm, the conductor's doing a great job with this one. <laughs> and keep, you know, uh, it, was, it was really nice to hear that. Uh, so it was a really big affirming moment for me. And, you know, I tried not to be weird about it and be like, oh, my God, I'm crying to hear you, you know, um, uh, compliment me on on this tape. But um, it was a really it was a really affirming moment to hear him, you know, uh, compliment my conducting skills and things. Yeah, I could go on and on about it. <laughs> so I remember there was a point when it was not that you ever really didn't want to teach, but you were feeling some passions toward performing um, as well as composing as an undergrad student. And, you know, you had had a lead in one of the school musicals or more than one. Um, and you were a published choral composer before you graduated college. So you had a lot of things going your way. What was that like um, feeling pulled in multiple directions? And how did you end up where you are? Um, the song pulled from the Adams family just went through my head when you said the word pulled. <laughs> um, so how did that feel being a music ed student, but also in multiple directions? It felt very tiresome. It's probably the first word that comes to mind. I was really exhausted and, um, you know, there's kind of, there's an imposter syndrome that comes with being in so many things because you know you hear the phrase jack of all trades master of none and things and you think about it and you're like ah which of these things do i need to focus on you know everybody seems to be focused on a their thing um but it, it seemed for me it was like okay but i love all of these things equally um and at the end of the day honestly it boiled down to me taking a more uh, practical approach just because I wanted to kind of jump out of my backyard. Um, I'm from Baton Rouge and I went to school at LSU and I wanted to get out of Baton Rouge. So um, I said, you know, I love to teach and I want to move. I want to, you know, experience what it's like being out on my own and adulting and whatever. So I um, ended up going the education route, um, which you know, I'm happy with that decision. I'm learning a lot uh, through teaching. I feel like teaching makes you a, it makes you better in so many ways. Um, and it, it can be really, really fulfilling as well. Um, I'm not sure that I can, I'm not sure that I can see myself in a position other than teaching that would make me feel as good as I do about, you know, helping my students. Um, but I do find time to do the other things as well. I compose uh, more regularly now than I really expected I would be outside of, you know, school. Um, Performance-wise, mm, you know, I still songwrite and, and things like that. It's taken kind of a backseat, and I'd like to get back to it. But uh, the composition stuff, which really makes me excited and honestly is kind of a self-care thing for me now. Um, to combat the exhaustion of teaching and the way that that can affect your creativity. I actually really like to compose in my free time because I feel like it reminds me of why I like music. Um, I listen to a lot of music before I get into the process. Um, and I feel like, you know, finding these sounds that I love and kind of analyzing why I love them and, uh, you know, how to capture these sounds in my own work, it really does do a lot for my you know, my zest for music learning and music teaching. So when you decided to 
go out and as you mentioned adulting i gotta go out there on my own i gotta go do this thing why houston i mean did you have a family connection did you have any kind of connection to houston you left baton rouge and bam houston how did that work out so coming to houston um well i mean to me it seemed like a kind of a safer choice ish to sort of get my feet wet in the in the Texas system because the music education world is so big here and so, you know, renowned here. Um, it felt like a really good place to go to learn. Um, I really came here, I mean, obviously with the intention to teach, but, you know, to, to learn through doing that and to learn from, to, you know, um, meet some people that could, you know, help me and mentor me and mold me, help me, mold me, I'll say it, mold me into, take the wheel, (laughs) mold me into a better musician, you know, and a better uh, educator. Um, But Houston was, seemed like a good choice because um, no, I don't have family here, but I do have family adjacent people here. And I have a couple of friends that teach out here in Houston too, that uh, I actually knew before I moved here. my friend, Melanie Stapleton, um, she was actually uh, a teacher here in the Houston area for over five years. I don't want to get the number wrong, but I know it's over five. Um, I want to say it's eight, but I could be wrong. Uh, don't quote me on that. So um, she was really instrumental in helping me get set up out here and helping me just feel better about being a teacher in Texas. Um, so she was really helpful. Other than her, honestly, that that's kind of it. I had family adjacent and a couple of friends. So I, yeah, I'm pretty alone here, but it is only four hours down the road from, you know, Baton Rouge. So it's not too far. Um, seemed like, it just seemed like a, I don't know, a good, a good choice. I don't know. I guess I had a gut feeling about it or something. Oh, well also, uh, I failed to mention that the LSU music ed uh, music ed major pipeline to Texas is pretty. It's a direct. It's like you know a lot of people go to Texas from LSU from UED. So I guess I just heard it so much that I said, well, I'll just give it a try. You know, see what what goes on. Yeah. So are you on year three of teaching now? Is that yes. right? I'm on year th- three of teaching. Yes. So at this point, you're kind of getting in the groove. You know what works well for you. Um, what are some things that you feel um, were surprises or things that you maybe were not as ready for going into a teaching position? Uh, some some of those lessons you've learned. And also, what are some things that you felt like, hey, I was really well prepared. I knew how to do this part of my job. Uh, what are some of those things you're figuring out on this third year? Okay, so... Things that I was not prepared for, I'm just going to say paperwork in general. (laughs) I feel like that's a really common answer. And I'd heard it, you know, from interviews we'd done from alums, uh, alumni while we were in in class, you know, in our music ed classes at LSU. You know, we called in some LSU MUED alums and, you know, we got to ask them questions and they would always be like, there's so much paperwork but y'all, I know it's going to be like this. <laughs> there's a lot of paperwork to do, you know, and there's a lot of planning that you've got to put in um, to get the, to make the paperwork do, to make the paperwork. <laughs> you got to plan to make the paperwork. <laughs> um, so that's a big part of it um, that, that caught me off guard. I think another, another big part of it was, how um how short attention spans really are that's another big thing um so one thing that you know your muad degree won't necessarily teach you is <laughs> sometimes you have to you have to i want to say bargain but i'm going to say incentivize you have to incentivize your your students um and you have to make sure that you include breaks for their minds uh, as you go on. Otherwise, you will lose their attention 
And that means that they're disengaged and a disengaged student is a bad day for a teacher. Um, I, yeah, so that's, that's definitely something that I've had to put a lot of, I've had to be very, you know, uh, methodical about how I plan my lessons so that I include stuff for my kids to do that will, you know, kind of re jumpstart their focus and remind them that, oh yeah, we're, this is a fun class. We have fun in here. Like, you know, we have fun learning music um, and we have fun being a team, (laughs) you know, definitely got to be methodical about that. So what are some of your focus activities that you do for them? Like if you're a new teacher listening, what, uh, what advice could you give them for ways to refocus the, that kind of crazy energy? Okay. So one that I've been pulling out lately that I really love is a game that I have named intuition. I don't remember what it's called. We played it in theater when I was in middle school, but I gave it a name and it's called intuition. So what you do is you close your eyes. Everybody in the classroom closes their eyes and your ensemble tries to make it from A to Z um, without looking at each other, without strategizing each, you know, one person has to say one letter at a time. So I'll start, I'll say A and a student just has to kind of feel the vibe and say B. C, D, a different person every time. Uh, But the catch is that if two people say it at the same time, then we have to start over. And they get really, really frustrated and like competitive. And they all like, they're like, guys, we got to focus. Come on, lock in. You know, they get really into it. Um, And I have a record board in my classroom and I write each class's, you know, furthest letter for the nine week period up on the board. And they're like, okay. My intermediate, you know, intermediate treble got to M. We got to get to whatever, you know, we got to get to the next letter. And uh, so uh, not me sounding like I forgot the alphabet. Anyway, (laughs) um, you know, they get really competitive about it. And uh, that's one. Another one that I'll pull out um, on a day where they're especially squirrely is called Wink Elimination. Now, the real name for it is Wink Murder, but we don't like that word. That's a spicy word. Uh, So we use Wink Elimination instead. Uh, We sit in a circle and um, or the students sit in a circle. Sometimes I play with them. Um, Crisscross applesauce. And I ask them to close their eyes. And then I walk around the circle and I tap somebody on the head, and whoever I have tapped on the head is the eliminator. Um, and so then we all open our eyes, and I pick a detective who stands in the middle of the circle and turns kind of slowly watching people's faces around the circle. So the person that I picked as the eliminator's job is to wink at people in the circle without the detective um, you know, detecting them <laughs> and finding out that they are the the eliminator. So if the eliminator gets everybody out, then they win. But if the detective guesses them in three twi- in three tries, then they win the game. So that's another good one. Um, a musical one that I like to do um, is pass the beat. Uh, I also like to do poison pattern. Pass the beat is literally it's so simple, but you'd be surprised at how. <laughs> crazy it gets. Um, you could clap something, you clap a pattern toward, you know, uh, student A. So I could go and then they have to receive the, the pattern from me by clapping it back and then turn to their neighbor and send it off to the next person. Their neighbor will then receive it by clapping that pattern back to them and then turn around and clap it to the next person. So the object of the game is to get through the entire ensemble while staying on the beat. Like I'll put a metronome on while we're playing this. Usually we have to stay on the beat. If we get off the beat or if somebody forgets to receive or pass, we have to start over. That's a good one. Um, another one. What's the other one that I mentioned? Sorry, y'all, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, oh, you had your forbidden beat, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah, so some people call it forbidden forbidden beat or forbidden pattern or whatever. I like to call it poison because I taught in elementary before I was in junior high and poison. It's just extra spooky, an extra spooky element for them. <laughs> um, so poison pattern is like I'll sing, you know, um, do mi so, 
that's the poison. Don't sing it if I sing it to you. So we'll go through a bunch of different, you know, uh, patterns with solfege. And, um, you know, I'm, I'll sing like, so me, so me. And they'll repeat after me. So me, so me, so me, do, so me, do, do me, so. Don't sing it. You know, that's the, uh, the, the way that the game goes. So if somebody sings the poison, then they're out and they have to sit down. Um, yeah, that's another good one. Simon Says is also a tried and true one. <laughs> Sometimes I'll pull out Simon Says. Those are, yeah, so those are some brain breaks that you can you can do with your kids that they, they tend to enjoy. Some of them, they might be like, eh, but they always get into it at the end. Mm-hmm. I think we talked back on an episode with Melanie Brink about like some retreat games and how it's important to do them not just at the retreat. Like you can't just have one day of team building with your choir and call it good for the year. Um, you know, sometimes giving them a chance to do something a little different uh, can really refocus them in a positive way. So, so we talked about some of the things that you um, have figured out in the last few years. Also, what did you feel like really prepared for as you went in? Like, what did you feel like were your top skills that your music ed degree prepared you for? So um, I would say that throughout my degree program, I was affirmed a lot for my teacher affect and um, my sometimes it feels like I am like um, emoting and personality-ing for my life when I'm teaching. (laughs) And I was affirmed for, you know, the way that I present myself to students uh, as like a positive, upbeat, kind of, you know, kind of sassy at times uh, sort of person. And the kids at this new school that I'm at took to it pretty quickly, which I'm, I'm really thankful for. Uh, so they've been patient with me and all of my finding out moments about, you know, just this job in general. Um, so I felt, you know, I felt good about my ability to connect with kids. I feel like that's something that comes pretty easily to me. And I'm really thankful that it is still, you know, so. (laughs) Um, Another thing that I felt really prepared for, um, I would say is conducting. Mm, My conducting classes at LSU, I feel like I got a a lot of really good feedback. Um, I think Matt, actually, you were, weren't you like my you were like my mentor. That was your TA, your second yeah, semester. You yeah, were like, you were like my mentor one semester. Like, that was super cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like I, I got a, a lot of good opportunities to be coached. And uh, one of the, my um, my conducting mentors, uh, Taylor Strickland, I actually used to call him, what did I call him? Like, uh, I used to call him coach because the way that he coached, it was like I was like a football player. <laughs> we would get in that practice room. He'd be like, nope, do it again. Nope, do it again. <laughs> I'm thankful. Love you, Taylor, if you're listening. Um, he was great. He was awesome. Um, and yeah, so the my TAs were, were really honest with me. <laughs> Present company, not excluded. <laughs> you guys are really honest with me. And uh you know, I, got, I feel like I got a, a lot of really good help. And um, my professor, uh, Dr. Davis at LSU, he, um, you know, he he um, had programmed some some good music for us to do uh, during class. So we got a, a pretty nice variety of different um, conducting pro- projects as well. You know, we had some stuff that was like a mixed meter, no meter, you know, uh, a couple of um, nice choral staples, a couple of kind of underground pieces to do. We had like some oratorio stuff that we did as well. Um, and I feel like um, I received a lot of um, really good um, critique um, and a lot of things that I could improve on that I still, you know, kind of think about in the back of my head today, uh, trying to make sure that I'm being clear for my ensembles. But something that I was um, affirmed a lot um, in was my musicality, like my the I guess just my range as a conductor. So I kind of, you know, try to use that to my advantage uh, with my ensembles. And I say, you know what? Hey, 
if uh, <laughs> if one of you, you know, if the vowels fall out of place or something, my sopranos get too excited, somebody's sharp. If like, uh, I don't know, there's no consonants and I can't understand what you're saying, at least we're going to have musicality. <laughs> so, you know, I, I try to use that to my advantage uh, as well. Um, let's see, a third thing, something else I felt well prepared for. Um, let's see. I think that field work wise, LSU does uh, give a lot of opportunities for, uh, we have to do, you know, different settings. So we had to do some elementary work. We had to do some, some high school work. And I even did a little bit of field work in um, the Louisiana school for uh, the visually impaired and and uh death i'm not sure if it's still called that now forgive me if i'm wrong but uh we did some work there as well and i got to work with one of my classmates um katie vukovic who i love and um she's actually in texas as well um so we got to do work in a lot of different settings so we were really just thrown out there and put into you know lots of different classrooms and we had to report at an early time you know we were held accountable if we were late um so i think just honestly getting into the routine of um, being in the teacher, being, you know, putting the teacher hat on, being on time, being in front of a group of people and not falling on your face every, you know, every day. LSU did prepare me well for that. Um, and a lot of it was just kind of like, hey, you're on your own now, go, you know? And I really, it was scary at first. It was really, really scary. But once I got there, I was like, oh, this feels like something that, I can do, you know, I can do this long-term. Yeah. Well, Matt, do you think it's time? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's head into the lightning round. So Alana, we've got these questions for you. Um, we're not designed to have to think very hard about them. So just whatever comes to mind is a very solid answer. All right. Um, so here's your first question. When you were in high school, who was your favorite musical artist? Amy Winehouse. If you could period. pick. Oh, I'm sorry. I just said period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. If you could pick any career other than music uh, or theater, what would it be? Dang, that's hard. Mm. I would probably be some kind of consultant, maybe like a, and if I can be an artistic, <laughs> if that's not off limits, something, something consultant, why something consultant ish, or maybe a therapist. Um, I like working with people. That's, I think one of my stronger suits and, you know, um, According to my, uh, what's the thing? Like you take like a thing, like a high school, they like tell you what you should be or something. Like, I forgot what it's called. Like an aptitude, not aptitude, whatever the thing, the employment test where they tell you what you should maybe be in life. <laughs> I took, I took one of those and, you know, it was, uh, all, you know, relating to people, social type stuff. And back then I was rebellious. I was like, eh, I don't like people, but now, you know, I see my, I see that, that is that is that really is what I have a heart for is helping people. So it would be something in the realm of, you know, being one on one with people and helping them be better at whatever. Next up, do you prefer dogs or cats? Oh. I have a cat, but I love dogs. Um I'm going to say uh, cats. I'm going to say cats. I'm going to say cats. Final answer. Good. You're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, I didn't know there was a right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess there's, I guess there's not. But maybe between Matt and I, there is a right and wrong. Answer. Yeah, this is this is our question to see who, like who's on each of our teams. <laughs> uh, 
That was yeah. the vibe check. That was the vibe yeah. check. Yeah. I failed it on, on mm-hmm. one part. Got you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. If you could be an extra in any movie you've seen, what movie would that be? Um, an extra in any movie that I've seen. Okay. <laughs> the Wiz. And it's because I just, I grew up on that movie. Um, I just love it. It's so, it's, it's nostalgic for me. And there's just so much about it that was so innovative. It's like all the things that I love. It's, it's like a dark, it's 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 fantasy it's like dark comedy it's like just the music everything i think i would have wanted to be an extra on that movie not only to be able to you know uh learn the music and things like that but also just to see the process of putting it together i just think it's amazing so it's the ways for me if you wouldn't you wouldn't be caught dead in red i wouldn't Yeah. Uh, if you had to pick one favorite choral piece, what would it be? Wow, that's hard. Man. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Man, that's hard. Oh, okay, so my, my brain goes back to things that I'm kind of nostalgic about, like stuff that I sang in college. Uh, because as Dr. Dixon quoted back then, you know, it wasn't an ordinary time. It was a really great time, you know, to be singing with people that were also majors in vocal music. That's, I mean, that's different than singing, you know, in any other setting. It really is. That was cool. Uh, so I really love Chichester Psalms, which is both a choral piece and an orchestral piece, but I love it. Um, that's great. Um, St. Martin de Porres is another one by Mary Lou Williams. And it's like this jazzy, you know, um, almost recitative, like it's got this, this kind of, you know, rubato really out of time start. And it's, it's really just like dramatic and, um, it's, it's a really cool piece. And I always kind of fantasize about myself conducting this piece when I go back to school for conducting. <laughs> it's cool. It's a cool piece. Um, and she's one of my favorite composers as well. Those are, those are two. I know you asked for one, but I gave you a little lanyard, a little extra. What is one composer you feel that needs more attention? Hmm. I think Mary Lou Williams. <laughs> the very same composer I just mentioned. I mean, her music is, I just think it's so beautiful. And, you know, maybe I'm a little biased because I grew up, you know, surrounded by, you know, all these lush jazz and gospel harmonies and things like that and i feel like it speaks to me in a different way than it might speak to other people um but i don't hear her music played really kind of ever and uh, i don't really hear people talk about her work um i think that she was amazing and uh i would love to hear more of her work played you know in halls that'd be amazing uh, what is your favorite memory associated with choral music? <clears throat> um, I would say probably <sighs> Confitemini Domino by Patty Drennan in SSA my freshman year of high school with Jason Powers. The first time I ever heard us sing in three-part harmony, I was just blown away. I was like, I'm a musician. This is amazing, you know? And it was just, it was, it was, it was, yeah. I don't think that any moment will ever top that. High school, freshman year, straight up. You know, that was the moment that had me just stuck to choir like glue, really. Nice. So what projects are you working on right now that you're excited about? Could be compositions. It could be performances. What What do you got? Sure. So right now it's festival season. Um, we're preparing for UIL, which in, in um, 
it's a university interscholastic league. That's like the big name that uh, encompasses all these different competitions in Texas where the students compete with, you know, other schools um, for scores and stuff. Um, I like to think of it more like we're competing with ourselves because, you know, I want to grow. But uh, anywho, um, it's a... that I'm excited for. I mean, it is really stressful and there's a lot going on. And it's not even just the teaching of the music or the sight reading piece. It's like getting clinicians in. It's making sure that the music is appropriate before I put my foot all the way in it and teach these children half the piece, you know, <laughs> and then realizing that it's not going to work. It's So the programming aspect has been really, really hard for me. And uh, stay, uh, Melanie... Stapleton, my friend that has helped me a lot immensely while I've been out here, has really helped me in that process as well, as well as uh, Jennifer Gallagher and Frankie Espinoza at the high school that I feed into. They're awesome. They've been helping me a whole lot with everything. I've been blowing up their phones. So uh, they've been awesome. And uh, so the programming aspect is is difficult. Um, uh, but excited because I know that I'm going to make it through it alive. I know that I'm not going to die. I know I will be alive in May, you know, well, maybe, hopefully I'll be alive in May. I won't die because of UIL. We'll say that. <laughs> I don't know anything else, but UIL, I don't think it will kill me. You know, um, I don't think that it will kill the kids. We will all be okay. Um, and this year I really am going at it as a as a Louisiana native, never have gone through the UIL process before. I'm really looking at it as a learning experience. You know, I'm taking everything that um, my mentors and friends out here say and processing it down and really just trying to make it as easy for myself as I can, like on a on a personal level, um, because I hold myself, you know, I put myself under a lot of pressure and always kind of have to be, you know, the best that I can be. Um, I'm trying to make it as easy on myself as I can so that I can make the process as rich and enjoyable for my students as I can as well. You know, I feel like putting all that pressure on 11, 12, 13 year olds, you know, uh, pressure that doesn't belong to them, pressure that I have put onto myself because I didn't program properly or I can't take a deep breath, you know, or I, you know, I just, me putting so much stress onto myself, I, I didn't want that to run off onto my students. So I really did try to make the process, um, you know, a little simpler this time for myself so that I could make an impact on my students through this season in a positive way rather than stressing them out the same way that I feel stressed out sometimes. So I'm excited to get through the process and to have built that bond with my students um, and to get over the hump, you know, um, reach that, fi that finish line. I'm, I'm ready for it. That and co composition wise, I would say, well, I just finished a project for uh, a director in Conroe ISD um, Evan Key, I wrote a piece for his uh, mixed varsity ensemble that they, I believe, are premiering in the spring. That's going to be awesome. I also just completed a project for Dr. Neviton Barros at Colby College, um, and he was also a um, a conducting grad student at LSU while I was there. And we, you know, we bonded over a few things. Neviton's a cool guy. And um, he reached out to me with this opportunity and I wrote something for his um, ensemble at, at Colby College as well. So those things I'm looking forward to. Um, personally, this year I'd like to, I'm hoping that, you know, the commissions keep rolling in. <laughs> um, my new friend, Sherry Blevins, who's a, uh, choral composer. Well, she composes lots of things, but she's known in the choral world and is like really, you know, becoming a bigger name. And uh, I, um, she affirmed me on my voice through my composition. So I'm looking forward to actually bring more of my work to, um, you know, my community back in LS, back in, in Louisiana. Uh, I'd like to write more things for my friends. I'd like to collaborate with, you know, people that I know, like Sherry. I'd like to 
do more things that are more like, um, you know, because I want to do it, not necessarily like, hey, do you have two months to whip something up for us? You know, <laughs> um, I'd like to do more things like uh, for fun, you know, um, that hopefully will bring me, you know, a little change. But mostly things that I, that I um, just have been working on, have put on the back burner that I want to revive or, you know, giving back to my alma mater or, you know, just feeding back into my community in Louisiana. I'd like to do that a lot. Well, awesome, Alana. Um, hey, you've reached the end of the lightning round and yeah, you made it. So if our audience would like to get in touch with you or follow you on social media, um, how can they do that? So you can find me, um, Alana Scott on Facebook. That's A-L-A-N-A-S-C-O-T-T on Facebook. Um, that's pretty much where I, I, that's pretty much where I spend most of my time is Facebook. Uh, I'm not really on Instagram as much, so I won't share that here. Um, email is Alana, A-L-A-N-A, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, the number four at gmail.com. That is my email. Um, and you can reach me there as well. Great. Well, it was wonderful to talk with you today, Alana. We thank you. Our audience thanks you. And we're happy to call you a part of the choir fam. Woo! I made it. I'm Dean Leafy. I'm Matthew Myers. And you've been listening to the Choir Fam podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked the show, please rate and review. If you didn't like the show, please let us know how we can better serve our choir fam. You can follow our Instagram page at choirfampod or email us at choirfampodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all our listeners to be part of our minisodes. Just look for our episode minisode intro from September 16th, 2022, and send us an email with your answers to our season one lightning round questions. We look forward to hearing from you, and thanks again for being a part of the Choir Fam. Choir Fam.